Thanks for tuning in to the Drive On Podcast, where we're focused on giving hope and strength to the entire military community. Whether you're a veteran, active duty, guard, reserve, or a family member, this podcast will share inspirational stories and resources that are useful to you. I'm your host, Scott Lucio, and now let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the Drive On Podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Kelly Bonhoff. Dr. Bonhoff joins us today to talk about healing family trauma. And oftentimes in the military, in veteran life, we experience traumatic events. That's part of the job, which I think most of us understand. However, when we don't deal with those traumatic events properly, they can seep into our family lives, which will then affect our spouses, our children, other family members that you might have, even neighbors and other people in your life. So Dr. Bonhoff has written the book, Beyond Trauma Drama, Cultivating the Sacred Nature of Families to Heal. And she's here today to discuss how we can begin healing our families. So welcome to the show, Dr. Bonhoff. I'm glad to have you on and have you share your experiences and your background with us to, to help heal some of these families that are in need of it. Sure. Thank you so much, Scott. It's really wonderful to be here. It's an honor. So in my own life, so the past, for the past 35 years, I have spent time as a registered nurse and a trauma therapist with countless generations of traumatized families while navigating my own journey of abuse and trafficking in childhood. And so since that time, I have tried to figure out the answer to one question, which is, why is it that children are being hurt by those that are meant to love them and keep them safe. And so I've had the opportunity to write the upcoming book, Beyond Trauma Drama, Cultivating the Sacred Nature of Families to Heal, because I discovered some insights about how it is that families who have trauma in their lives continue to experience that phenomenon. And I discovered something I called the merry-go-round of survival. And it has seven characteristics that I noticed in my own family, in the families of the children I was serving, generations of families. And it seemed like we were all in the same ride, the same merry-go-round. The other part that I discovered is that really since the time of our first ancestors, we've been echoing human evolution which means that our previous generations didn't recognize they were on this merry-go-round and they unconsciously, and most of the time unintentionally, conditioned and imprinted into their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren this merry-go-round of survival. And so if we can find out where we are hovering in this process of healing, then we can transform that process. But for me, the biggest aha moment was I had no idea I was on this ride. My parents didn't know they were on the ride and so on and so forth. And so as families, what I would say to anyone listening who where trauma drama, and we can talk about what that means, is touching their life, whether it was from the point of conception to the development in the wound to trauma that was experienced when someone was born or trauma that was experienced when they were a teen or an adult later in life. How does this trauma drama affect us? And then what is it that we can do to see 
this as a healing journey that we are not broken, but that we are becoming the greatest expression of love individually and as families and as a world that we have ever known. So this is a hero's journey, not just of us as people, but as families, as communities, as societies, and as a world. And we are at a turning point in humanity's evolution as it relates to this, I call it, we are heading into the era of love. And in order to do that, we have to understand we are suffering. What does it look like? If we're on a ride, what kind of ride is it? And what would we like to do if we choose to, if we prefer to heal? How do we transform that ride so that the generations that are here on the earth now and those that will be born later will be on a different merry-go-round? And I call that the merry-go-round of the spirit, where we can balance our mind, our body, and our sacred nature, which is why it's referred to in the book that way. So. You talk about this merry-go-round of survival and how you're on this. And when I think of a merry-go-round, I think of this ride that you get on and you go nowhere fast and you go around and round in circles and you see the same things that you pass by. You might have a family member standing off on the side who's holding your stuff or whatever, and you wave to them every time you go by. And it's the same, the same scene over and over again until the ride stops. Right. And it just doesn't end until. Or nothing changes, I should say, until the ride is over, you get off the ride and you move on, go to the next thing, right? So what, what exactly is the merry-go-round of survival that you mentioned and how would someone know that they're even on it? Right. If they're on it, what does that look like and how could they recognize all that? Right. Great. So I've spent more than a half a century of my own life trying to figure out what this pattern looks like because it didn't matter what environment I was in. I've been across four states. I've been in most of, in fact, most of my career has been in living rooms, under bridges, in foster care families. And so it didn't matter what the language was or what the ethnicity of anyone was. The pattern was the same. And it finally came to me. So there are seven characteristics. So the very first thing that you'll notice, and this is, remember, is a pattern that you'll, that you may identify resonate within yourself. You may notice the pattern in a relationship with another person like your spouse or, or an intimate partner. You could find this in a business relationship. You could find this in a friendship. You will find it in families. Some of the things that the term for toxic parents, toxic, these dysfunctional families, whatever the language is around those terms. And I noticed there's kind of a new wave of interest in those who have narcissistic parent or partner or something like that. And we can talk more about that later. You'll notice the same pattern in communities. You'll notice the same pattern in society. And you'll begin to, if you look at the world from the vantage point of, from the perspective of the stars, as if you're an astronaut and you're looking at the world right now, you'll notice the seven characteristics that I'm about to share with you that I noticed. The very first characteristic that you notice is secrets. We have a tendency when we're trying to survive, there are things that may happen to us that we keep secret. And there are reasons why we keep it secret. The second characteristic is silence about those secrets. The third is the shame that we feel about what has happened to us. And shame is, I am unlovable, 
I am not worthy and I am not enough. And some refer to shame as I am bad. In other words, you feel that you are bad yourself, which is different than I have done something bad, which is more guilt. So shame is very much at the depth and the core of how you believe I am unlovable, unworthy, or not enough. The next that we experience on this merry-go-round are something that is called shadows. What are shadows? Well, shadows are those parts of our soul that we keep in the dark, that we keep pressed down, repressed, suppressed. Things like judgment, criticism, blame, um, guilt, worry, hurt. Any of those things where I was raised in the 1960s as, I'll give you something to cry about, right? I mean, just keep, the, keep those emotions, especially if you're not going to be kind or if you feel judgmental or critical, then just keep those to yourself. Keep those down. So those are shadows. And many of us who have had trauma touch our lives will keep that shadow part, the part of us that's super mad, like super angry and raging about what has happened. But we're not going to show the anger because showing the anger in some situations can actually be a very dangerous thing to do as a child. If you're in an environment where you are told you got to keep that to yourself, right? So we have secret, silent, shame, shadows. Then comes the status quo. So the status quo is let's not have any conflict. There is a conflict avoidance. I Listen, I don't want to cause a scene. I don't want to make anyone angry. I just want to keep the peace here because it's just easier for all involved. So you may notice a pattern of there's seven S's, seven characteristics of status quo. Then we get to one that I notice quite often in my own life and in relationships with people is sabotage. What in the world are we doing? We get to this beautiful point where we have healed to a certain point. We've kept it together. Our relationships seem to be going good. And then all of a sudden, I call it to me in my own language, I get another shovel to the face. It's as if something it's as if things follow me around in life to get in my way as it relates to the progress i'm making so we have a tendency to self sabotage individually in a couple relationship and in families entire families can get to a point where they have gotten to a place where they can have a roof over their head they can have food on the table they can have clothing. Their children are going to school and doing well. And then a mom or a dad or a primary caregiver who has been healthy starts using heroin again. It just, it happens and I've seen it quite a bit. And so sabotage is a big one for all of us who have had trauma. Then the last one is suffering. So suffering is what we feel really as kind of all of these things. So it's kind of all of the secrets and the silence and the shame and the shadows and the status quo and the self-sabotage leads to this level of something I call suffering. But what I say in my own language is this anguish without measure. There is so much emotion that we hold in our mind, in our bodies, and then, in, and then on our spirit as well. So how do you know if you're on a merry-go-round? There are seven questions associated. So for your listeners and for you and I, let's see. Secrets. 
are there any secrets that I am keeping in what that happened in childhood that I'm holding? Are there any secrets that I'm keeping about what might be going on in the marriage or in a partner relationship? Are there any secrets that our family is keeping? Right? Silence. Am I being quiet? Am I keep, keeping silent about those secrets? Whether it's to yourself or to others. Shame. Do I feel unlovable? Unworthy? Not enough. For me, this is the key marker. If you're like, well, is trauma drama impacting my life? Has trauma drama touched my life in any way? The first way that you've been touched by that is by, ask, is by asking that very one question. Are you carrying shame? Do you feel lovable? Right. I, yeah, I think that is a good indication for whether or not you're on this. And then as you go through this list of the seven different items that you, you listed off, you might start to recognize more and more of those things in your life. If you can identify the one, you might be able to then trace back to some of the others. And you're right. It is kind of like a circular thing where one follows the other, you can't have, you can't be silent about secrets if you don't have secrets. So that, that type of thing. So, so one is, it seems like it always is going to follow the other. So if you can take a look back on what's going on in your life and how you've reacted to things and what you tell yourself and what you think about self, then you might very well be on this merry-go-round, right? Right. And so I envision the merry-go-round of survival. If you think about all the generations and ancestors, so um, in spiritual language, the circle of life, who doesn't love the Lion King? We could probably yeah. sing the song right now. The <laughs> circle of life. So the circle is actually a sacred geometry, right? So we all circle around and we're born. And then we, what I say, we go is from birth to birth, not necessarily birth to death, but we birth into kind of our next sacred adventure, if you will. But if you just imagine your family and your generation is on the merry-go-round and then you have more children and then some people who are on the up and down giraffe or who are sitting in the seat or whatever, well, they go into their next sacred adventure. And all we're doing is we're just, having new generations on that merry-go-round. And the reason why I call it transforming the merry-go rather than getting off the merry-go-round is a lot of people say, well, I want to get off that ride. I'm tired of the music. I'm tired of seeing the same faces. I'm tired of going around. I'm getting kind of seasick at this point. It's really a transformation of those seven characteristics into different characteristics, like from secrets you would be able to transform a secret into more of a sovereignty, right? You're moving, you want to move towards sovereignty, which is this idea that you own your own, your spark of creation, you own your own power. You have your own ability to think, your own ability to experience. And so you basically reframe and you restore this connection to your mind, body, and spirit. So human nature meets sacred nature. And we spend our lifetime dancing between the two. But what has happened for humanity is that we lost track of our sovereignty, of our sacredness so early, so many generations before you and I were even conceived of, that it just hasn't been a part of our language and has been really a part of the parenting or the community or the society yet. And I want to say yet 
because the reason why a lot of this information is now coming into more clarity for me is because I finally was able to restore that connection for myself. I think that's a good way to frame your thinking of how uh, these secrets and how all of this stuff kind of connects together. Thinking about that transformation and it's work, you have to do work to get there, right? To really think about that. Because I think just as most people, most humans out there are willing to just kind of accept the status quo if you're not really thinking about what it is that's going on. And so I think with that, we need to give it some conscious effort to transform not only just ourselves, but our families, our communities, all the way around. And what better way than starting right in your own home and start with what you can control and then see what kind of impact that has spreading out to the rest of society as well, right? Right. So one of the things I think about is to, to just even consider the possibility that you're on a survival merry-go-round. To just even say, oh, okay, so this is what's been going on. This is what's happening. And to even consider the possibility that you can transform it at all is a revolutionary idea. You've already started the, this noticing and curiosity. So the non-judgment about, well, how, so for me, when I first came through this awakening process, the first thing my human nature said was, well, what took you so long? 56 years, my gosh, how much longer did you need, right? Well, that was my ego, my beautiful ego, trying to keep me in the status quo. And what I was able to understand was that the sacred nature, soul, spirit, whatever you would like to refer to, inner guidance system, gut instinct. I just envisioned um, that sacred part putting their arms around my ego saying, hey man, take a vacation. Like you have been, you have kept me alive. I so appreciate everything you have tried to do to keep me in my seat, on my feet, helping other people. And now take a break, man, because the sacred part of us really is just here to experience. So to, for life to live through us, this was a big change for me. My, my relationship with life looked like this. My fists were up and I was just waiting for whatever the next thing was that was going to come at me. So the trauma I experienced happened for me at the point of conception. I was conceived under stress. I was developed in the womb under stress. I was born into stress. And so our brains are actually hardwired for connection. So our mind, bodies, and spirits are actually balanced usually. But what happened was my brain, my experience was hardwired for protection. So rather than connection, I was about protection. So the beautiful thing about this transformation for me has been this understanding that, oh, thank you, human nature, for keeping me here. And yet I don't need to keep my fists up anymore because life isn't happening to me. There isn't anyone to blame. There isn't anyone to judge. There any, there's anyone else to shame. All of us were here, the six of us in my own family of origin, two parents. I'm the oldest of four. So we all came in together, actually, to help each other have experiences as human beings, hopefully to remember that we were sacred, hopefully to help share 
something with the world that would be meaningful. And some of us, um, two of the members of my family of origin have passed away. Uh, my daddy and I, unfortunately, haven't been able to reconnect. And so some of us are in a different part of that journey of rebalancing my body and spirit. But here's what I want everyone to know. If you have had trauma touch your life in any stage of your life, I want you to know that you are not broken. You're actually in a healing process. And all that's happening is your inner guidance, your sacred nature, your soul, whatever you choose to call it, is attempting to restore its opportunity to live through you in this lifetime. That's all this is. And no one has done anything wrong. This gets a little bit harder as it relates to, well, wait a minute. And I know this may sound strange as someone who has had experiences with abuse and trafficking. But one of the things I recognized is that I have as much a terrorist in me, a bully in me, someone who's been unkind, someone who's said unkind things. So this villain and victim kind of idea or polarity, I just want us all to know that we're all sacred. The people who, you, who were wounded, who harmed me or who harmed others is as sacred as me or you or anybody else who was harmed. And so how do we begin to negotiate and navigate that experience where, oh, we're all sacred and we all have free will and there are some choices that each of us made. So I know for a fact that my father and those who were involved in the trafficking uh, who caused harm have been wounded themselves. No excuses, just explaining that wounded people wound other people. And I have done that unconsciously. Trauma attracts trauma. So if you're ever wondering how you chose your intimate partner or your husband, wife, or your whoever, all you are mirrors to each other about what you are wanting to heal in your lifetime. So it's just a different way of looking at this phenomenon. Right. And I, so one of the reasons that this podcast even exists is to help out the military, the veteran community, the people who are coming back from combat, who are getting out of the military and trying to start a, a new life as a civilian, right? And they come out with these traumatic events that they may have experienced. They start to hurt the people that are around them, their spouses, their children, just the people in their lives, right? Not intentionally. It's not like they're setting off to be like, okay, I'm hurting. So this person needs to pay for it. And this person needs to, but it happens. It comes off. I'm guilty of it myself coming back from combat. I started, I had angry outbursts, right? And I started seeing that in my son who was starting to react to frustrations in his own life as minor as they may be, but with a very similar way that I was reacting to things. And my gosh, was that an ugly look in the mirror, looking at my, myself in child and, and realizing man, that's exactly how I am reacting. This isn't okay. 
I need to do something to change this, right? What are some ways that, that people can, once when they realize that they're on this merry-go-round, what are some ways that people can move forward and move towards healing themselves, healing their families, healing the people around them? Yeah. The, so there's a lot going on there. So here's what I would say, whether you're a combat veteran in service to our country, which is incredible, it's an incredible commitment. And I'm overwhelmed and humbled by those who serve. What I would say is the first thing that happens is the first fight and battle, the first war that you are engaged in that needs to transform is the battle within. This is an inside out job. So before we can help those we love to transform those dynamics and communications with our families or our partners or whoever, we have to be willing to honor our own healing. We have to be willing to notice when we're criticizing ourselves, to notice when we are saying we're unlovable or we're doing things that are not lovable. So for instance, if addictions in my own life, there are so many addictions, lots of addictions, but here is the addiction that is more addictive than any substance on the face of this earth that we were unaware of. And it is the addiction of trauma drama. It is the stress, it is a human stress response that just indicates that we are not balanced in our mind, body, and spirit. And drama is all of that conflict and hissing and spitting that we keep going around in. So it's the combination of the trauma, an event that throws our mind, body, and spirit off balance, along with now the dynamics and, and, and engaging in interactions, communications that are toxic. It's the combination. And all that is in our world right now, within ourselves and others, is it, this is a human stress response. And all it's saying is everyone has reached their level of suffering. And once you get to a level of suffering, you have preferences, not just choices. Do I prefer to stay on the merry-go-round? Or do I make a choice to begin being curious, not judgmental or blaming of myself or anybody else. Am I going to stay curious and notice about what is my thought? What am I saying? How am I feeling? What am I doing? That keeps me on that merry-go-round. So Scott, there's three simple things that I've learned how to do that I share with people and with a bonus. So here's what it is. And I think you're old enough to remember this, but when we're, we were in grade school, I'm not sure are they still teaching the stop, drop and roll maneuver. Oh, yeah. you're on yeah. fire, right? Now, I had another podcaster yesterday say, have you ever seen a child on fire? Like, why are we still having to learn the stop, drop, and roll? When was the last time you saw somebody running down the street? And I chuckled and I said, I don't know. But what this reminded me of is being on fire, whether it's being in crisis with yourself and your relationships and your families. So what I've created is something called stop, drop, and be. Stop. And be still. It's one of the hardest things for us to do. Drop into your breath. Three deep breaths. Five seconds in, five seconds hold, five seconds out. And you breathe 
in and out for at least two to three minutes. It really helps your nervous system. So you're being still, you're dropping into your breath and you're being stop, drop, be in the moment you are in. And how do you do that? Because we've got our monkey minds and you've got a hundred things going on and you've got your tech all over the place. So the way to do this is very simple. Do not do this while you're driving. Pull over. We have actually six senses, but the five senses you use in being is what am I seeing? What am I hearing? What am I feeling underneath me with my hands, the car seats underneath me? What do I smell? What do I take? What do I have a taste in my mouth that I just brush my teeth that I just have a hamburger? Right. And so that gets you into a being state. So you stop, you drop and you be. And the next thing I do, if I'm really struggling, let's say anger comes up or irritation. Those are big things for me. I know I'm kind of out of balance when that's starting to happen. I can feel it in my body now. I stop, drop, beat, and then I give myself a hug. Well, what is that? That's where I harness unconditional gratitude. And I name out loud or in my mind three things in that moment I am grateful for. And what quantum physics or other spiritual teachings tell us is that when we change the vibration, if I've gone from a vibration of anger and irritation, frustration, which are lower level energy, negative thoughts kind of thing, and I pull into the stop, drop, be with a hug, my vibration has changed in my body and in everything around me. And the reason why, again, these are all kind of what I call downloads or dreams and visions that I've had about bringing very simple ideas to help us transform this merry-go-round in each moment. It's, the reason why I love it is because I've used it over and over again with my granddaughters because I am devoted to changing the vibration and healing the generations of my own family. And I'm doing it in real time. And it has to be very simple and fun. And so these are the things that I've come up with that I've noticed have changed things very quickly. And it's something that I can do with the people I love. And they're willing to do it with me. So when children or adults are running that energy of hurt or frustration or a two-year-old meltdown or whatever, my husband and I do this. If we're about to head into some territory where more healing is about to get done, that's how I frame it. We stop, drop, be, think of three things we're grateful for. And then we move into whatever discussion it is we need to have. It changes everything. It changes the moment. And once you learn how to do that, then that becomes your Instead of survival software, right, that default mechanism, then that new transformed way of being becomes your default mechanism. The more you do it, the more you go to it. And then that merry-go-round is transformed. That's what I've noticed. You know, I, it sounds almost like a muscle that needs to be exercised, right? That's all it is. The more you, you lift the weights, the stronger the muscle gets and the more you're going to go to that muscle to, to use, to lift 
other things. And it's not just necessarily to show off at the gym or whatever. It's practical uses. So you can come home and you can pick heavy things up. You can do things that you wouldn't be able to do had you not exercised that prior. So my guess, just like with any exercise, is the first few times you do that exercise, it's probably going to leave you a little bit sore. It might be a difficult thing to do if you keep working at it and do it over and over, it just becomes something that is second nature to you. Just like going to the gym and picking up weights, right? The first time you go to the gym and pick up those weights, you're going to be hating yourself for how sore you are. But if you keep at it, you're going to, you're going to see the results and the benefits from all of that. Yeah, I think one of the most surprising thing for me, Scott, is that when trauma happens in early childhood, those are called adverse childhood experience. I did not stop loving my parents. I stopped loving myself. And to go from a state of being where I felt unlovable and afraid my entire life, and that's the, that was how I lived my life for 56 years, and to practice this new muscle thing, what, what has happened is I have learned to have self-love, self-trust, self-respect. And those are things that I had no idea about. And so to just change the red vibration and to be on this healing journey, which I will be on the rest of my life, is to have faith and believe in the sacred nature, the truth of who I am, and allow that to flow. And in doing so, there's a lot of families that ask, well, I'm doing this for myself and I'm healing, and yet my parents or my partner or my family is still super toxic. Am I supposed to just walk away? Do I just leave them in the dust back here? Because most of the time they don't understand what I'm doing and they're getting actually worse and not better because I'm making them uncomfortable. So what do I do? And here's what I would say. There is nothing for you to do. You're not responsible for their journey. If they're uncomfortable, then all that means is they're starting to get curious and notice. And yes, they're hissing and spitting. But stay in your lane. Do your own healing. Your vibration will change the way those interactions happen. And if they're overwhelming, then you have the opportunity to say, hey, I'm not real interested in that. So you step out of the replay. You step out of the reenactment. You step, you step out of the reaction. Once I moved away and toward my own healing with my father, it allowed me the chance to really heal. And there may be a time where those situations and circumstances will require you to honor your inner guidance system to keep moving. But here's what I would say. He is a spark of creation. I am not truly separated from him in any real way. And he is on his journey. And I imagine that if he were to call or I had an opportunity to see him again, that I am not the same person and neither is he. And so there's always hope that those that you love that may be struggling in their humanness, not yet met their sacredness again, that is their journey, their experience. And it's all right. Let go. That's what I would say. Let go and keep moving.
Yeah, because really at the end of the day, you can only really control yourself and work towards healing yourself, become a better version of yourself. And like we were saying before, it, it takes work. It takes effort. You have to keep working at that. And if you're spending your energy and effort trying to affect somebody else who may not be in that same place as you, who's ready to be changed, to be healed, to be whatever the language is that you want to use, you're spending all that energy on that person, but not spending it on yourself. And you're not going to do yourself any favors there. You're not making any progress with your own journey, right? Right. So one of the things I noticed, and there will be families who choose not to heal. And that's where that addiction to trauma drama comes from. So I used to, when I was in the homes of families many years ago, Jerry Springer was always on the television and we got chairs flying and people screaming and whose baby daddy is that and this, that or the other. Now remember, trauma drama is such an intense addiction because we've normalized it. So there will be people and families that it's just too hard to break that addiction. It takes a lot of courage to step out of the role. So in my case, the oldest child, the protector, the peacekeeper. Once I moved out of that play, my father's narrative of my character in that play, it changed the dynamic of everybody else. And that's where real healing can begin to occur, not just for whoever steps stage left or right, but whoever goes in whatever direction they want to. So moving to, towards a different dynamic and interaction with the people you love is an act of courage. Now, having said that, there will be families. It's too hard. It's too scary to move out of your position, your role in the play. And that's all right, too, because everybody is experiencing their humanness as a spiritual being in their own way. And we don't know what anyone's sacred contract is or what decisions they have made about what they want to experience. And I think just allowing yourself to heal is more than enough. But as a child who was conditioned to be responsible for everyone else, I had no clue about what I liked or what I felt or what I knew or did not know. So a lot of this has to do with just getting that aha moment that Oh, so I'm here to experience what it means to be human. I'm not meant to stay wounded. Humanity wasn't meant to hover on the ride of the merry-go-round of survival. But we can't transform it, Scott, if we don't know that we're on the ride in the first place. And that's why, for me, this message is so critical. Right. I think... We talked about that before. How can I even identify that we're on this ride? And you went through the seven steps that are in there with the, all the questions that you can ask yourself and figure out, okay, is this something that I'm experiencing in my life? But also when you realize that and you recognize, okay, I am on this merry-go-round. We talked about the ways that you can work towards getting yourself healed and moved towards that. And I think that's a key point is the healing, working towards that healing, because not only will it impact you, it will likely also have 
exponential effect where it starts to impact the other people in your lives, especially if you're the one who experienced some sort of trauma, whatever it may have been. It could have been an assault. It could have been combat. It could have been any number of things, right? right. Um, but if you're now taking that and unleashing it on other people, once when you've recognized that you have this problem with this trauma and you work on resolving that trauma just by normal human nature and human interactions, you're not going to want to hurt the people around you, the people who you love and care about. You don't want to hurt those people. And so as you are healing, you're going to be hurting those people less and less and less to the point where now they are able to be healed because they're not constantly being bombarded with this negativity coming from you. And so it, it will eventually have that exponential effect where you end up getting yourself and the people around you in a better place. And I think that's really what it's all about. Just trying to work on getting everyone in a better place, right? Right. And the best way to, for me, what I know is to help and leave a legacy of healing in my own family and generations is to honor my own healing. It will always start with me. It will always end with me. And as I honor my own sacred spark, it's really effortless as it relates to, if I am comfortable in my, and it's a, so love isn't necessarily a word or emotion. What I would say is love is a state of being. And you will come into that effortlessly when the balance is restored, mind, body, and spirit. And then you'll begin to notice and perceive around you. It just seems like miracles happen in your family or in your relationships. You're like, well, how did that happen? Or the baby seems so much calmer or whatever it is. It's an energetic vibrational state of being. And as long as I can hold on to my own state of being, not doing, then life transforms and it transforms around me, around the people I love. And we are, we don't have to work at it. It happens effortlessly. And so that's where the hope is for anyone who wants to just explore this way of seeing trauma. Again, it's a process of healing. It's just an opportunity or trauma drama, if you can break yourself of the addiction of trauma drama, if you notice and are curious about it and you just pay attention to it, and then it, and with intention and love, heal that for yourself, it will echo then into the world that we all would love to live in. With that, I think this is a kind of a good place to to close out this episode, but I want to give you a chance to tell people where they can go to find a copy of the book when it's released. It, it's not out quite yet, but it, it will be by the time this episode comes out. So where can they go to find the book and get in touch with you to find out more information? Sure. So the book will be published the end of September on Amazon. And if you're looking for me, you can go to onesacredfamily.com. That's O-N-E-S-A-C-R-E-D family.com. 
Great. And I will have links to all of this in the show notes and where you can go to get in touch with Dr. Bonhoff and find a copy of the book. Thank you again for joining me today. Really appreciate your time and the information that you were able to provide us. And hopefully it gets out to some families and helps heal the, these, these families. Thank you so much, Scott. Thanks for listening to the Drive On Podcast. If you want to check out more episodes or learn more about the show, you can visit our website, driveonpodcast.com. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Drive On Podcast. 